we wrapped up Acts chapter 14, which was the end of Paul's first missionary journey with Barnabas. Uh, Mark bailed on him about halfway through when they got up into Galatia because it got so rough. But this is an overview, just so that you know, this is the Mediterranean Sea right here. This is Israel down in here. You can see the Sea of Galilee right here at the bottom and the Dead Sea is right off the map. But then you come up here, and this is Galatia, which is now Turkey. This is southern Galatia. And if you go to the next map, you actually zoom in on that area right there. And you see that Paul and Barnabas took off from Antioch. This Antioch, Syria, came across. They went up to southern Galatia and hit these different churches. When they got to Perga, that's about when John Mark bailed from them. And they went up and established churches at Antioch, Pisidia. That's different than Antioch, Syria. Antioch, Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. They, they established those churches. And then... They retraced their steps after they got kicked out of all those places. They went back and just reaffirmed what they were teaching. And they came back to Antioch. Now, I always say, you know, isn't it crazy how we're teaching something specific and there's something going current as the time that we're talking about that? Let me bring up another map for you. This is Syria. This is the little pink area at the top is where the Kurds are. The green is Turkey. If you haven't caught up with today's news, this is where everything is happening right now in the world. And look, Antioch, Syria is right there you realize that as we've gone back 2,000 years and taken the Bible, that it is still the hotbed of history. It's still happening there. There's still unrest there. I was reading about the Kurds and found out that it was interesting that they're typically Muslim, but there is a great revival of Christianity that is happening among the Kurds in that area right there. That's a pretty cool thing. So uh, let me catch you up to where we are. At the end of the missionary journey, uh, they get back to Antioch. Everything's good. Uh, Peter hears about it. Not Paul. Paul and Barnabas were on the missionary journey. But Peter hears about what's happening in Antioch, Syria. That's the one that's not in Galatia. And he decides to go to Antioch, Syria. And he begins to hang out with the Jews there, eats dinners with them, and then he does something else. He begins to eat dinners with the Gentiles, the uncircumcised. Like he's literally sitting at the table with them, and he's like, you guys eat pig? You have bacon? We dig on swine. He dig on swine? He's literally hanging out with the Gentiles. And this goes on for some period of time. He's just enjoying them because now Paul's opened the door for this message of Christianity to go not only to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. And they're welcome into the party. 
So Peter's hanging out with them. And guess what? He does it so long that word gets back to Jerusalem. And you know what's in Jerusalem, right? The circumcision party. The Jews. The Judaizers. Those that hold on to the customs of the Jews. They still believe that everybody needs to be circumcised if they come to the faith. We've been given the law. We've been given the Ten Commandments. We need to adhere to the Ten Commandments. These are just Jewish traditions. But we hear that Peter's hanging out with the Gentiles. Maybe we should send a group of men up there to talk to Peter. So they get a letter from James, the half-brother of Jesus, and they take it to Antioch to say, hey, Peter, what are you doing? We hear that you're hanging out with the Gentiles. You realize you realize how uncomfortable you're making this for us in Jerusalem. That, you know, you're, you're putting people at risk here because the military's, you know, trying to keep the peace and you're putting people up in arms by doing this and they, they literally say, Peter, you've got to stop eating with the Gentiles. Peter listens to them. Wait, wait, wait. Peter, the follower of Jesus Christ, the one that knows that the message was meant for the Gentiles as well as the Jews, he stops hanging out with the Gentiles. And even Barnabas does. Are you kidding me? Even Barnabas does? He's like supposed to be the encourager. Guess what? Paul's not in the area at the time. But Paul finds out. Peter's not hanging out with the Gentiles. Guess what? Paul comes to the area. Paul goes right up to Peter. Peter, what do you mean you're not hanging out with the Gentiles anymore? Because the circumcision party told you not to? Well, yeah, kind of. What do you mean kind of? Yeah, I'm not hanging out with them anymore. Paul had some choice words for Peter at this point. Are you kidding me? All that we've been through with Christ, you've been through, you, you've literally walked with Jesus Christ. You know that this message is available to the Gentiles now, that they're included in this, and you're going to choose to listen to the circumcision party and not hang out with them? You believe that the Gentiles need to be circumcised, you're not teaching the truth. What? Paul just accused Peter, one of the apostles, of hypocrisy. You're being a hypocrite. Are you kidding me? So then Peter, he goes back, he goes back to Jerusalem and he's uh, licking his wounds. He's like, man, I just got it handed to me by Paul. And he tells all the other apostles, this is what Paul said to me. He told me that I was a hypocrite. Well, you can imagine how that sat with the, the Judaizers. So they decide to go find Paul. But he's not there. 
So, okay, Paul's not there. Let's do this. If Paul's really preaching this message, and he started all these churches in Lystra and Derbe and Iconium, let's just send a circumcision party to those churches and retrain them what Paul taught them. And in fact, we'll, we'll teach them what we believe rather than what Paul taught them. And this is literally, this is literally when I said, I think a few weeks ago, it talks about in, Gal- in Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul writes this right here. He says, you were running well. He wrote this to the churches in Galatia, and this is where we're getting ready to go, is into this letter. You were running well. Who prevented you from being persuaded regarding the truth? This persuasion does not come from the one who calls you, that being God. A little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough. What you, what Danny, what you said about this sweet community, it's like leaven. And it leavens the whole batch of dough in this community. I believe that. I watch you guys minister to this community. In the same way, bad, false truth can do the same thing. He says, a little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough. I myself am persuaded in the Lord that you will not accept any other view, but whoever it is that is confusing you will pay the penalty. Paul's literally saying, there's one dude out there that's just... He'll pay for going back and retracting everything that I've taught you. He's, he never mentions them by name. But three times, three times, Paul refer, refers to a thorn in his side. Some people believe that that's an addiction or some kind of sin that Paul's doing, but I'm sitting there telling you, it has to be this one dude that Paul's talking about. I mean, if he's literally spending his whole life traveling around telling people about Jesus and being free, that you're no longer under the law, you're not under the Ten Commandments, you don't have to be circumcised, all these things, and somebody's coming behind him and saying, no, what he's teaching isn't right, that would be a thorn in my side. I couldn't imagine somebody coming in here and telling you, Okay, because you all are believers in Jesus Christ, this is the way that you have to live your life. You have to get up in the morning at 6 o'clock. You have to spend 15 minutes with the Lord. You have to pray adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. You have to do all these things. You have to spend time in the Word. Really? I was, I was literally taught that my whole life. And it would work for a period of time. But I never really got into the Word until I came to understand my own personal identity in Jesus Christ. And once I got that revealed to me, studying this thing has been an adventure. It's been fun. It's been cool. So now, Paul is having to deal with this, and he's got this thorn in his side. And what they're doing is they're literally going to the churches and they're telling them, these five things. They tell the new converts, the new believers in Jesus Christ in Galatia 1, Jerusalem is the center that God has chosen 
for all of His work to be done on earth. And Paul's not from Jerusalem. He was born in Tarsus, studied in Antioch, Syria, served there, but he's not from Jerusalem. The true gospel, the gospel they're, they're even saying the gospel of Jesus Christ is centered around Jerusalem. But he didn't come there, come from there, and he's definitely not commissioned by Christ. He, Paul's not even one of the true apostles. Like, we all hung out with Jesus. We walked with Him for three years. We were legitimate apostles. But as we've already studied through Acts, what happened on the road to Damascus is everything Paul learned, it was quickly downloaded to him from the Spirit. And it was appointed by God for him to be an apostle. And so therefore, we claim Paul as an apostle, but now Jerusalem is saying, no, he's not a real apostle. He's like secondary. And then they sit there and tell him that, that Paul's gospel is deficient. They believe that God has given them the law, God has chosen them as a certain people. That God's given them circumcision as a covenant between them. Paul's like saying, you don't have to do any of that. He's not telling you the full truth. They also say, Peter. Peter's the real chief apostle of them all. He's the one that knows the truth. The last thing they tell him is, Paul's inconsistent in his views. While he doesn't preach circumcision to the Gentiles, he preaches it to the Jews. Remember, Paul says, become all things to all people. So now, these Judaizers, this circumcision party, has gone through southern Galatia to all those churches, and they've totally confused the believers. Paul's teaching one thing, the Judaizers are saying, don't believe it. In other words, Paul's saying, hey, look, the whole Old Testament, the whole Old Testament, the Old Covenant was written for you to obey God in your own strength. He gave him the Ten Commandments. He gave him 613 laws. He did all these things. Jesus even came along and gave him the Sermon on the Mount and said, hey, you've heard it say, go one mile, I say go two. He ramps everything up. He ramps the law up. And the whole covenant is about you doing things in your own strength. That didn't work too well. It didn't work. You can't do it in your own strength. So Jesus comes along and he says, hey, we've shown you over the duration of the old covenant you can't do this i'll go to the cross i've done it perfectly i've lived it perfectly i'll die for you as the needed sacrifice the one and only perfect sacrifice i'll be buried i'll raise again i'll sit next to god in his throne and we're going to send a spirit to come inside of the church and he's going to do it for you because you've already proved you can't do it in your own strength hmm The Judaizers come along and say, hey, you know what? 
you've got the Spirit of God, but you also need to obey the Ten Commandments. <laughs> what? I, you guys, that's what's being taught in the church today. I, I say that because I grew up in that. I taught it. It was what I was taught, what I learned, and then I went out and taught it. I can say that there's a mixed bag being taught here. I believe in the Old Covenant. I teach from the Old Testament. I, it tells me about my God. It shows me what He loves. It shows me what's important to Him. But I'm no longer under that Old Covenant. I'm under the New Covenant because of what Jesus Christ that work that He did on the cross was the finished work. He did everything so that I wouldn't have to do it in my own strength, and I just trust Him to do it in me. I've already proved I can't do it. And you know what? Once I saw that, once I saw that, I said, I'm not going back to the mixed bag. I can't do it. I can't do it. It doesn't even make sense to me anymore. So now Paul, he finds out that the, the circumcision party has gone behind his back and tried to destroy everything that he's established in these places. That gets you caught up to where we are. The end of Acts chapter 14. I'm not going into Acts chapter 15 because that's all about the Jerusalem council where they get together and try to decide hey, this is what we agree on and this is what we believe. In Galatians, in Galatians, it never talks about the Jerusalem council. It never refers to that as it does in Paul's other letters. Here's the interesting thing. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then you've got Paul's epistles. Romans, what is it? 1 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Galatians is the first letter that he wrote, not Romans. You know why it's Romans, 1st, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians? You know why it's in that order? Because it's the size of the letter. Romans is the longest letter that he wrote. Corinthians being the second longest. And then Galatians. They say that Galatians is kind of the Magna Carta, of, they call it the Magna Carta of Christian liberty. Being, being free in Christ. They compare it to Romans, but it's just a shorter version of Romans. So word gets back to Paul. Paul can't retrace his steps, so what he decides to do is he decides to pin a letter to the churches in Galatia. And this is the letter that we're going to study next, is Galatians. It's about 49 A.D., it's 18 to 20 years after Jesus Christ was crucified, buried, and He rose again. The gospel has had time to spread all the way up to Galatia. And now it's being jeopardized. If, if I taught Corey and Chloe one aspect of the gospel. And somebody came along and perverted that. 
What do you think I'm going to feel like? I'm going to be upset. I might be in a little rage. You, you told my kids what? I believe this is where Paul was when he wrote the book of Galatians. You know that he typically starts his letters, peace and grace to you. <laughs> Not this one. Not this one. He, he begins to write to those churches, the people that he knows and loves. It's the first, this is the first piece of Christian writing that's ever been penned. It says this. It says, Paul, an apostle, not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Now, there is an abruptness to his words right there. He is literally, literally on edge. He's got some big concerns here, namely that his apostolic credentials have been questioned. He's like, I want you to know I am an apostle. Don't care what you've heard out there from the circumcision party, but I'm an apostle. I'm not appointed by man. Guess who made me an apostle? By Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. That's who made me an apostle. He's literally saying, I have the authority to teach you. And no matter what you've heard, I'm telling you right now what my authority is. The word apostolos tells that you have authority. It was a great title to have. It caused people to want to listen to you. And then he says to this in verse 2, And all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, he's literally saying, this is who I'm writing to. Now, there's controversy about who he actually wrote to. There's a northern Galatia belief and there's a southern Galatia belief. Nowhere in the Scripture does it talk about churches being established in the northern Galatia. But we sat here and we went through these last few chapters of Acts and realized that he established churches there in Lystra, Derbe, Iconium, and it doesn't refer to the Jerusalem council at this point, so we're assuming he's writing to the churches that he just visited on his first missionary journey. That's who he's literally writing this letter to. In verse 3 it says this, And grace to you, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from, his present, from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. I'll say this, first of all. Uh, I had this conversation, I think, just last night. This present evil age. Do you think we live in a present evil age right now? Huh. Do you think we live in a present evil age? All the older people in here are going, absolutely. Absolutely. 
We live it. My grandparents thought we lived in a present evil age. I was saying last night, when Elvis Presley came in and shook his hips, that was a big deal. Right? Present evil age. Right now, Elvis Presley's pretty tame. But look, you guys, this is 2,000 years ago, and they're saying, we're in a present evil age. There's not a, listen to me, there's not a thing done today that hasn't been done before. You think about the word sodomy. Where did that come from? Sodom and Gomorrah. Look, there's nothing under the sun that's being done today that hasn't been done thousands of years. They lived in a present evil age back then. We live in a present evil age right now. But he says to this, Paul's drawing the lines of battle. You t- Matt, you got up here and you talked about a battle that's going on, whether it's political or theology or, or whatever. To me, this is the battle. When I used to teach with a different mindset, and I thought what I taught was right, and then I was able to see it from a different mindset, the same book, the same gospel, but a different mindset. I knew that there was a battle in the church. Watch, watch. I believe the evil one who is the one that reigns here on earth, prince of the airwaves, is totally satisfied with the state of the church today. That they're still teaching a mix of law and grace. Because if you teach a mix of law and grace, you're never going to win. Because you, you can't fulfill the law. You, you can't fulfill the law. You're not going to win. So they're going to tell you how to obey. They're going to tell you how to live your life. This is the responsibility of a Christian. This is what it looks like. This is what you have to do. And you'll never, ever be able to live up to those expectations. I promise you, you won't. And because you can't, you become defeated. You become defeated, and is it all worth it? So I believe the evil one's happy with the way church is going. You ask any one of these men or women in this room, when you start a Romans Bible study, if spiritual warfare doesn't kick up. When you start telling people that they can be free in Christ, that they're no longer under the law, I guarantee you there's a warfare that's going to go on within that group. Ask any one of the leaders that have, have, have led it. Ask any one of the people that have gone through it. It happens. Evil one's fine with a mix of law and grace. But you talk about grace alone, it's on. 
I said it out loud publicly. It's on. There's a battle. That battle will happen in your family. That battle will happen with your friends. I promise you. He doesn't care who he uses. He doesn't care. <laughs> These are supposed to be Paul's brothers. Yeah, they're totally going against them. Peter and Paul, they're friends. What are you teaching, Peter? He draws this line, and it's important to him. And then the last verse I look at this morning is this. It's verse 5. What's Paul's motive? What's Paul's motive? To him be the glory forever. Amen. First five verses. He proves his apostleship. He proves his authority. He says, this is what it's going to take, and this is why I'm doing it. If I'm standing up here for my own glory, for the sake of Levener in the community, I'm standing here for the wrong reasons. The reason I stand here, one, is because I believe it with all my heart. I believe what I'm teaching. I watched it happen among you. It's a beautiful thing. But two, I'm doing this because God called me to do this. And it's for His glory alone that I stand here today and preach the freedom of Christ and teach you the identity of Christ week after week after week after week. When you figure out who you are and what you have inside of you, you walk differently, you talk differently, you act differently, you do things differently. I don't have to tell you what to do. <laughs> I don't have to give you a list of things because there's a God living inside of you and if you just listen to Him, He'll tell you. And it's for His glory that I stand here today. Jesus... Uh, there is absolutely a battle going on and it is going on in this room right now. So, as much as we can't see it, I know that uh, there's angels fighting for these loved ones in here right now. And you win this battle. You win this. I pray that this message that uh, of Paul's of grace can be revealed to the people in this room. It's not by my words. It's not by my choice. It's by yours. And so I trust you with your word right here in this room. I thank you for my friends, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.